Welcome to Chatsunami. everybody, welcome to another episode of Chatsunami. My name's Satsunami and I'm joining you again this week for another unscripted review of the latest Doctor Who special, Wild Blue Yonder. Now last week we discussed the Starbeast, which I have to say seemed to garner mainly positive reactions, but a little bit of a mix if I'm honest, and I was quite surprised at that. But I have to say I was really looking forward to this episode because this is probably the episodes that we knew the least about. The BBC for once were advertising who the villains were going to be, unlike a certain Doomsday special. So I was actually really really surprised about what they were going to do with this special. I had absolutely zero clue but I was really curious. So I think the main question is was this episode as good if not better than last week's episode and I'm gonna say off the bat yes and no. There is a lot to love about this episode. I feel as if there's a lot that they did better than last week. At the same time I feel as if there was a lot that they dropped the ball on, but without any further ado, let's jump into the wild blue yonder. So right off the bat, we got an introduction to Donna and the Doctor flying through space uncontrollably because of Donna in the last episode, spilling coffee all over the console, which I have to admit, it's pretty much a Donna thing to do, but they ended up crashing beside Sir Isaac Newton. And honestly, while I thought this intro was quite fun and light-hearted, I'm not really sure why it was necessary. The only thing I can think of really is there's a kind of running joke throughout the episode where the Doctor and Donna make a gravity pun to Isaac Newton and he mishears them. So instead of labelling it as gravity, he calls it mavity, which throughout the episode they say things like, oh, he's stuck in the mavity field. Oh, you're at the centre of mavity and all of this. And while I get the joke, I feel as if it detracted just that little bit from the seriousness of the episode and again I'm not one of these people that thinks that Doctor Who should be uber serious 100% of the time but I don't know it just it felt really weird in a way but going off of that point and I just want to start off with a positive I absolutely loved the idea of this episode the fact that it was just such a intimate cast in this one you only had the Doctor you had Donna and you had the new villains which we are gonna talk about later on but I have to admit I love the idea of them floating in a spaceship that they had no idea what was going on there was something stalking them in the shadows absolutely loved that and I have to say this episode implores two of quite possibly my irrational fears that of course being body horror and doppelgangers because those are the kind of things that really unsettle me and when it's eventually revealed that the not things at least I think that's what they're called these kind of doppelganger creatures 
creatures come out and they're slowly adapting. I have to say, I absolutely love the idea and the concept behind it. But one thing, before we go on to talk about these villainous creatures, one thing I just want to point out, and it kind of irritated me in a way, was when they go to the cockpit and they find out that they're on the edge of the universe and the Doctor says something silly like, oh, I've never been this far out and this is such a nerdy nitpick. It's not, honestly, I'm not pushing up my glasses here going, boy, I hope someone got fired for that blunder, but I'm pretty sure the Doctor escaped the universe and the flux, but Whovians and Doctor Who aficionados, please correct me if I'm wrong there, because initially I was trying to think if he had gone to the end of the universe and time-wise, he has. Of course, in the season, well, one of three of the final episodes of season three when it goes to the end of the universe time-wise in Utopia, but I don't really remember him going to the edge of the universe until the flux when he's in that weird spaceship thing. I don't know. It's just that it's weird. Timey-wimey, if you will. But then, of course, we get to the doppelgangers who are called the not-things, I think. They'll be in top trump cards, I'm sure, but here is my controversial take for this episode, because a lot of people say, oh, these were amazing villains, they were crazy, and just, oh, they were horrifying. I think, to a certain extent, they were. And the reason I say that is because, initially, I was watching this episode with a friend, and then, of course, I watched it with my partner again, just to see if I missed anything. Initially, it was quite creepy to be like, wait a second, why is the Doctor having a conversation with Donna in one room, but then they're also having a conversation in the other room? And I thought this was going to be a psychological horror or something, that they were losing their minds, and then they dropped quite possibly one of the silliest lines I think I've ever heard in a Doctor Who episode, and that's coming from someone who grew up with episodes like The Doctor Dances, with Are You My Mummy, and all of those kind of catchphrases. Yeah, well, I appreciate that they tried to combine practical effects and CGI. I felt as if it looked far, far too goofy looking. I realise this is an all-ages show, so, you know, you've got maybe slightly older kids who are watching it. You know, families are watching this show, so you don't want anything too scary, I suppose, but I don't know, the big hands when he's dragging them, it reminded me of those old video game cheat codes that you used to get where you can make big heads, the big hands. In fact, if anybody has played GoldenEye for the N64, you'll know exactly the cheat code I'm talking about here. That's what it felt like. And when they kept saying, oh, my arm's too long, and then they pulled it up, I burst out laughing because it reminded me of that old Japanese advert, you know, the long, long man. Long, long And then you had things like not David Tennant's jaw unhinging and falling down. You had legs bending backwards, which don't get me wrong, that was really disturbing. But the jaw falling and them getting bigger and not having any concept of how to structure themselves. This is the thing. I adore the idea of this episode. I adore the idea of the shapeshifters, I think. Shapeshifters are creepy. They are freaky as hell and the idea that someone can manipulate their form to be someone you love or you know and trust and reel you in like that because I thought there was a lot of really creepy moments like that but then it was just ruined by the effects. So for example one of the highlights of the episode is when the not Donna tries to manipulate the 
Doctor and talks about the flux and how he says he's from Gallifrey but he actually doesn't know which I have to admit it's a bold choice taking Chris Chibnall's timeless child and making it even more canon I feel as if that is going to tick off a lot of Doctor Who fans but you know what that's not my place to go into at least not in this episode but on the flip side you also had the not Doctor not being able to comprehend object permanence and I thought that was really interesting you know it was like an infant it was trying to learn and grow so I thought that was really interesting but at the same time I felt it was deeply ruined when all of a sudden not Donna turns into like a weird puddle on the ground and it almost gave me love and monster flashbacks <laughs> where you know that woman is like now trapped in a square of concrete yeah if you don't know what I'm talking about go watch season two's love and monsters from David Tennant's era it's one of the worst episodes you'll ever watch but yeah then you've got not David Tennant bending backwards like the exorcist but then his head is coming out his backside and I know why they did this it's supposed to be very uncanny and unnatural but nah I feel as if that really undercut a lot of the dramatic tension the horror and everything and you just felt as if you were rolling your eyes and I think if you're a child you would find this scary and I feel as if if you're watching it with your family then you're going to be scared but yeah for me it just it didn't click and this is the thing I feel as if if this had been a big finish story then I 100% would have been behind this I think that if you weren't able to see the monsters if you were able to just visualise them and think oh my god it's a creature with an unhinged jaw and it's crawling and bending its body and I feel as if not knowing what it looked like was a lot scarier compared to what we actually got and it's all fine and good saying that Doctor Who has always been like this with its cheesy effects and I get it but at the same time it is 2023 and don't get me wrong I think that in terms of the effects for the ship and everything and the twist at the end regarding the pilot why she ejected herself I thought that was really interesting but there were just some moments that because of the effects it just pulled me out of it completely and as I said I feel as if if you're reading the novelisation version then maybe it would have worked better again I have not read the novelisation of these books yet but I would actually really be interested to see how it compares to this but one thing I didn't notice until I watched the Doctor Who Unleashed special was the fact that they put in an insane amount of detail in this for example if you look at the language that is used on the ship it is based very much on the fact that the alien which we find out at the end was piloting the ship is more like a horse so the production team behind it had said that well how would a horse write such a language a lot of the characters and the script is written in a way that an equestrian type alien would have been able to write with hooves and if any Skyrim fans are out there then you'll know exactly what I mean by this the fact that it is very similar to the dragon language in Skyrim where the dragons have a very sharp script because they can only carve symbols. It's really fascinating. I do think that is a good touch. 
This episode also features the last appearance of Bernard Cribbins as Wilf, which is such a bittersweet ending to the character, especially when you take into account the fact that he wasn't well enough to do any more scenes and then shortly after filming this scene in 2022, he sadly passed away, aged 93. And it was absolutely wonderful to see him again, honestly. I just loved the emotions between him and David Tennant and the fact that they got to say a somewhat goodbye, I thought that was beautiful. I absolutely loved it. So overall, what do I think of Wild Blue Yonder? Well, as I said before, this is an episode that is nearly perfect. There are so many aspects of this that I genuinely thought were so well done, but unfortunately just missed the mark in so many places. From the very different tonal shift from the intro to what became essentially, as people have described online, the event horizon for kids. Ever. I also thought it was really weird to use an American-centric song for the title of the episode and I get the meaning behind it going into the wild blue yonder and into like this unknown territory which is exactly what Donna and the Doctor do but something's off about it. I don't know it just it felt like a very odd choice of song but again that's probably a bit of a minor nitpick and honestly while I would love to say that this was one of the creepiest Doctor Who villains I just feel as if they were let down by some of the effects. I feel as if if they didn't put in some of the effects then they definitely would have held up better in the long run. Even the hands, as I said, they reminded me of like a golden eye cheat code and at worst they reminded me of the Netflix adaptation of One Piece with Monkey D. Luffy's massive rubber hand. So I was like, Ugh. and I don't know, this is just my own speculation here, but when they were saying how they couldn't replicate the arms correctly I was wondering if that was a jab at the rise of AI art. And the reason I say that is because when you see anybody generate AI art, you do see that AI for some weird reason has real trouble generating hands. And again, I don't think that was their intention, but if it was, hats off to them. But if not, that is a very weird coincidence. But I did love the fact that they were this somewhat unknown entity out there. So, you know what? Not that I usually grade these episodes but upon a rewatch and taking time to think about it because I'm going to be honest I didn't like this episode to begin with when I first saw it but it's slowly growing on me and I, I think this is probably a solid B maybe B minus I wouldn't go as far to say it's like a C I really should get a grading system please let me know if you want me to get a chats and have a grading system in but yeah what did you think listeners at home did you think Wild Blue Yonder was was a triumph? Did you think it was a return to forum? Did you think it was okay? Did you think it was too goofy because of the graphics and the effects? Or yeah, what did you think? Please, please, please let me know because I would love to hear from you. And yeah, I want to give a hearty apology for this episode coming out late. As you can hear, I have a bit of a cold and that has kind of prevented me from recording. I'm certainly on the path to recovery, but if you hear my voice quite croaky in the next few episodes, that'll be why so apologies for that I swear I'm not a doppelganger <laughs> but as always if you'd like to listen to my review of the Star Beast last week or any other episodes then you can check us out at Chatsunami 
Patreon.com. I'd also like to thank our Pandalorian patrons, Robotic Battle Toaster and Sonia. Thank you so, so much for supporting the show. And as always, if you want to get episodes a week early or even just exclusive content, then you can check us out at patreon.com forward slash chatsunami. But until then, stay safe, stay awesome, and most importantly, stay hydrated.